This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. David Faraday <laughs> is joining us now here hello, on the hello. Blitz 1170. This is, main, man. This, this is awesome. I told yeah. you that I, I got a chance to uh, – it was truly one of my highlights last year getting to talk with you because, uh, like, you, you're, to me, you're hilarious, and I, I love how you present yourself, like, on broadcasts. So uh, thank you for the opportunity to last year. You did a one-man oh. show, and we were talking uh, off the air about it over, over Hard Rock last year. You do have to pause during the golf season, but – uh, the one-man shows are, are fantastic, and you're going to start picking up a few more of those once you get out of the golf season. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't do any during the golf season, um, but uh, I terrify myself, uh, you know, before and after. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it never seems like a good idea until I've, yeah. until I've done it. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and then you get the greatest satisfaction that you that's made right. it too, right? That's right. Yeah, it's like going to the gym. I, you know, I don't like doing it, but uh, I like having done it. <laughs> yeah. How, uh, how much of a convincing job did they have to do to get you to do live? And, or was it like immediate, uh, immediate decision? Well, you know, Greg Norman has been a friend for 40 years, right. and, you know, he, he picked up the telephone and, and asked me and, and – you know, absolutely. I have great faith in him, and uh, he's been trying to do this for so long. Uh, to see him get it off the ground, and you know the success that it's had. You know, it, it wasn't a it wasn't a difficult decision for me at all. No. So, what is that call like when he says, "Hey, I've got this idea, right? We want to do this. We're we're launching with it." Was there was there any hesitation from you at all in 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 the decision or? You said that you trusted him so much, but you, you also have to understand like what the overall product or at least idea is going to look like from a broadcast perspective, yeah. too. So what were those conversations like? Well, you know, I mean, I, I wanted to know who else was going to be involved. And um, it, it it's, was one of those things that, you know, it was, it was easy to get a clear picture of it in my mind because, you know, he described it to me before, mm-hmm. you know, w- what he wanted. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I, I could just see it working. Um, you know, 48 players, you know, no cut, actually paying everybody. You know, the guys don't actually go home with a hole in their pocket. Yeah. Um, you know, which, you know, for professional athletes, that's the way it should be. Um, and it was the opportunity to be a lead analyst, which is the first for me. You know, I've been 30 years in, in the, in the uh, broadcast business, 20 as a player. And this was a huge opportunity for me uh, to, you know, just do something and be an executive producer and, and, and to do something that I didn't think I was ever going to have the chance to do. Because I thought, you know, I, the, the last eight years at NBC, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to work after that. Um, and it just all happened so quickly. Uh, but it, it's been a great, uh, great experience well, for me. This seems like a marriage made in heaven. You with your personality and your wit and all of that and a league trying to get established. It just seemed like a, a perfect mix, to the, at least to the uh, outside observers like myself. Well, yeah, I'm, and I, it's the opportunity also to be more like myself. The, the current sort of socio-political climate, you know, it, it doesn't lend itself to, to being funny. Um, it's, you know, we're in a, a situation, it seems to be, these days where, you know. I know, heaven forbid you say something, right? Right. You know, heaven forbid you should tell the truth. You know, <laughs> smart people are being silenced, so stupid people don't get offended. It's, uh, it, it, it is becoming more difficult, you know, and, and th- this political correctness will be the death of comedy. Um, it really will, you know, if we're not careful. 
Do you feel that there is a little bit more? Because I'm with you. Do you feel, though, that there is a segment that's out there that you can feel it starting to turn a little bit against the political correctness? It seems like yes. there's much more now than what there has been, at least from a stand-up and, and comedy perspective. Absolutely. I think you're seeing comedians stand up for themselves. And, uh, uh, yeah, I think there's definitely, you know, the pendulum swung way too far. It definitely it needed to swing. Yeah. But it didn't need to swing this far. Correct. You know, uh, to go to the other uh-huh. side. And I think it's heading back towards the middle. I certainly hope so. Yeah. Well, I there's a saying that I heard a long time ago about life is a series of overcorrections. Yeah. Right? And we we overcorrect all the time, right? And then yeah. we have to go back and fix the damage that we did from the from the overcorrections that we yeah. have. But it's a it's a vicious cycle, David. It happens all the time. Yeah. It it really is. How many times have you? Uh, looked out here and said, you know what, this is pretty good stuff. I really did make the great decision to change, or, or uh, change yeah. isn't the right word because well, it's still no, it golf. Is. But, uh, I mean, it's just a different atmosphere. Yeah, it is. It's a totally different atmosphere. And, look, uh, you know, we've got uh, the XFL and the NFL. We've got the NBA. We've got the NHL. We've got uh, the DP World Tour, the PGA Tour. We've got the Live Golf League. It's just another product. That's all it is. You know, we're trying to be a little more, we're trying to be different. We're trying to be more entertaining, you know, quicker, louder, you know, and it's just a different form of entertainment, you know, and, and uh, you know, it's been wonderful so far. I, I look out every day and think that. All right, so what would your lead-up music be? Pick a tune that um. uh, you, you, would, you would like to, because, uh, you know, when you get, uh, like, in the batter's box or something, yeah. now that they've got music, you know, playing, what would you choose? There's only one uh, one song that, that <laughs> plays me on stage, and that's uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Okay. Um, Pride and Joy. That's very Sweet. nice. Very that's very good. nice. Yeah. That's right very up your alley, Al. I, I hear you. Yeah. yeah. I hear you. Now, I, I, I suggested to Taylor Gooch he should play Sultan's a Swing. Yeah. that's my all-time favorite song. Yeah. And, you know, it, it kind of goes hand in Taylor hand. Taylor had with no golf. idea what you were talking about, did he? Did it, does he I'm have not, does he have any have, idea even who dire, who dire straits are? Does he have any he has idea? To have. No way. You could throw Mark Knopfler at him, and he'd, you know. <laughs> he, yeah. I yeah. I would almost be See, willing to bet that he would not See, know who not Dire only Straits is. He's my favorite guitarist too. Right. I right. love the guy. <laughs> yeah. I still remember. I still look at the video of uh, 1983 Alchemy doing uh, Sultans of Swing. It's the greatest. Greatest uh, live performance I've ever yeah, seen in my he's life. Wonderful guitarist. Yeah. Isn't he? Yeah. Have you ever met him? Yes, once. What's he like? Um, just a Tell real a nice guy, straightforward Geordie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was hoping you'd say he's a nice guy. No, he's a jerk. Or whatever. No, I, I love the guy, and I just yeah. I can listen to any of his tunes. But anyway. What type of opportunity presents itself when it is kind of a blank slate in terms of a broadcast? Like you, you said, you're one of the executive producers on this. So outside-the-box yeah. ideas, I mean, you kind of have, I don't want to say full freedom to try stuff, but it does at least present itself to, hey, if we try this, it doesn't work. All right, yeah. we can go back and try something new, right? Well, you, you see it in a lot of our, our graphics pa- packages, you know, and it, it's more, you know, on that side of uh, that side of the camera. If you like, I mean, we're still talking about golf, but we don't describe every golf shot, you know, and, and if there's a player that's on there with a graphic underneath, I mean, we, we give the credit to the viewer that they know what sport they're watching. You know, we never <laughs> we never talk about the golf ball. Yeah. You know, it's a ball. Right, yes, yeah. exactly. It's we get ball. it. You're supposed to hit it. And you're supposed to hit it. There's a wee hole in the ground, uh, and you're supposed to nice get it in there. It'd be nice if you hit it straight. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's Frank Turkinian was, was my mentor in the very early years, man, and uh, 
you know, apart from, I mean, he would say things to me, you know, and, and we're listening to it in one ear, as you know, and, and you know, t- talking out the other. Say something, you Irish prick. <laughs> you know? Good, you know, thought, thoughtful advice like that. <laughs> yeah, thank but, you very you know, much. He, he would always say, you know, it's a visual medium. You know, people can actually see the same things, you know, that, that we see. And uh, actually, one of the mistakes that we can make as broadcasters is to look away from our monitor, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, and our, our, uh, you know, you're liable to see something that the viewer doesn't see. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at Augusta for years, I was 19 years behind the 15th hole and uh, we had Tiger come to the tee uh, one year. And I, you know, I had nothing but the second hole and the 15th hole and there was no air key. You know, so yeah. it was two and 15 is all I had. And, right. I, you know, nobody would hear anything for three and a half hours. Uh, but Bobby Clampett describing how the wind bifurcated at number 12. <laughs> uh, did you think you'd get into this business this when you quit playing? I mean, was was this always a goal for you to, to maybe keep going commentating wise yes it was i mean I, and i quit relatively early i was 36 when uh when cbs offered me the opportunity to mm-hmm. to, to get into broadcasting and i i jumped at it um you know it uh, it was always something that i i'd wanted to do was there anything i let me see how i want to phrase this in terms of things that were off limits, I can only imagine the number of conversations that you've had behind the scenes of everything that you've, you've been a part of. But are there a few times where you're like, uh-oh, maybe I went a little bit too far on the broadcast? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, every now and then, you, you know, I'll say something and there's like a do. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll hear that in my left ear, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, I've, I've never uh, said anything that's... Uh, you know, I mean, I stay away from politics and religion and all the things that, uh, uh, you, you know, I, and I grew up in Northern Ireland, you know, so politics and religion were two very, you know, yes. hot, yeah, hotly, get away from it? Yeah. hotly debated topics. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I stay away from that kind of thing. And, I, you know, these days, too, you know, I mean, you've, got, you've got to stay away from the gender issues and, the, you know, all of the other stuff that, uh, that goes on. You know, my, my father said to me before he died, um, he said, you know, you can throw your cat a stick, but it won't bring it back because it's a cat. <laughs> because it's a cat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, my gosh. How, uh, I've been asking this about the, you know, how much of a lift was it for Liv to have your group of golfers play well at the Masters? Uh, I, I think that was tremendous for us. It really was. You know, it showed that, you know, the guys are out here competing at the very highest level. Um, it, it shows that they deserve to be here. You know, they deserve to be ranked uh, uh, differently, you know, than the official world golf rankings, you know, wh- which have uh, become, uh, you know, obsolete, really. You know, you've got Taylor Gooch, who I think is just about in the top 100 in the world mm. on the official world golf rankings. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's one of the top three players in the world at the moment. I think it would be hard for anybody to argue with that. Speaking of Taylor, I heard him say something. It goes back to something you said earlier. Uh, Taylor said, hey, I was a few years out of Oklahoma State, and I looked around, and I, my status is what it was on tour, right? He's like, it's my level of play. 
but he said, I think it was either his first or second year that he was on tour. He looked around and he was like, I'm spending 300. And f- I had the privilege of spending $350,000 to play on tour. Yeah. And he said, I was trying to book my own hotels, you know, set up everything else. He, re- he related as 11 or 12 other jobs other than just playing golf that yes. he was doing. Yeah. And it was a, it was a different perspective, right? That I don't think it's told enough. But Taylor said in, in coming here, one of the things that has kind of freed him up is how the league kind of handles other items that take so much pressure off of his plate that, heaven forbid, a professional golfer can just focus on, on playing, playing golf, golf and grinding on the game. Do you feel like that that's kind of helped propel him to where he's at right now, that he doesn't have to worry about all that stuff? Uh, absolutely. You know, I, I mean, it goes the whole way through the broadcast, uh, all the, way, the whole way through the organization. You know, they look after us. Um, as broadcasters and uh, you know I've said it before it feels like we're on a pirate ship you know and uh, you know the players are up there on the poop deck or whatever they call that <laughs> you know and uh, the broadcasters not are the you plank. Know, yeah, not, <laughs> not the, the plank. plank no we don't need the plank you know or any, anybody with a hook um, <laughs> see what I did there yeah. uh, <laughs> but uh, you know we, we all feel like we're in this together you know the, the media you know the the broadcasters you know the players the 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 tour the officials you know and uh, the executives behind the whole thing it really does feel like a family and uh, i think that's taken a lot of pressure off a, a lot of people in that have different roles within the organization when does this just become about golf and i'm mainly speaking of from national media the way that the, the league is covered i, I yeah. think that golf in its Golf is in a really good place, in my opinion, right, with some of the younger stars that are here. But I also feel like that there are entities that are doing a really good job of reaching out to younger audiences. I give live credit for that. I also give, uh, like, the bar stools of the world that Mm -hmm. have at least started to bring golf to a younger, different demo than what it was used to. But when does it, David, in your opinion, with live in particular, just become about the golf and the performances on the course outside of all the other noise that's taking place around this? Yeah, well, there's been a lot of other extraneous noise. You know, there's no question about that. But it's quietening down, and it's, it, it, it's you know, the focus is getting more, you know, tighter, you know, towards the golf. And I think as time goes by, you know, when people see the product that we have, you know, see the players that we have, how they play, you know, it, it, it'll just be about golf. Yeah, and hopefully sooner than rather than later yeah. on that. Let me ask you, in your earlier days, if someone came up with this concept, would you would you give it a shot? Oh, I would have taken a shot at it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was uh, I, I, I was always on the edge of being you know, I played golf at the highest level. You know, I played at sure. Ryder Cup and I won, you know, and, and right. you know, things like that. But I was never going to be that, you know, truly great player. I didn't have the work ethic and I, I didn't, you know, successful people. Um, and I found this out, you know, with my Golf Channel show, you know, where I interviewed you know, athletes and businessmen and musicians and actors and uh, these successful people, they all had one thing in common. You know, they wanted to be in a place where they knew they were going to be uncomfortable. And you can say that about anybody who's successful at anything. You have to actually want to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, looking back at my playing career, I, I didn't want it badly enough. You know, and, and that's the reason that I never, you know, got to the very, very highest level. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would have taken a shot at it for sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if I would have done any good, but I would have, <laughs> yeah, I would have thought, Somebody oh, hell, yeah. Somebody talks and you know what, right? Yeah. There, there you go. <laughs> hey, I'm sure you've been asked a hundred times about your favorite from all the, the celebs that you've interviewed on your show. Um, 
do you have one or two that stand out that were the worst or went a different oh. direction that you didn't think that it was actually going to go that way? Well, you know, I, I never did one that I didn't like. Um, I was lucky enough to, to be able to choose people that I thought I would uh -huh. like, even those that I, I hadn't met before. Um, there were interviews that were more difficult than others. Larry David was an interesting one. I was like interviewing a broken mirror. <laughs> um, it was uh, because Larry doesn't act. That's just exactly who he is. He is that neurotic and, and paranoid. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but he was he was tremendous. Uh, and uh, th then there were interviews like like Bill Russell, mm -hmm. who who was who changed my life. Um, it, just being around him, being in his presence, you know, I, I knew I was in the you know you're in the presence of greatness when you shake Bill Russell's hand. There's a warmth and electricity to, to the man. You know he was uh, he was an extraordinary person. And I'll tell you, you know, with the days of political correctness and uh, and all the rest, he, he showed the other side of that. We were in a Starbucks, and I'm standing beside Bill Russell, and I always order a tall red eye, mm -hmm. which is just a, shot, a regular coffee with a shot of espresso in it but i was feeling you know a little under the under the weather whatever so i said to the girl behind me, i said can i have a tall black eye please and she looked at me and she looked at bill russell and all i could think of was saying is i know i already have one <laughs> <laughs> and russ <laughs> russ he just blew a snot bubble and doubled up you know laughed his ass off at this poor lady you know she didn't know what the hell to say but it, it was a very funny moment you know and, and it was an indication of just who he was you yeah know, just uh uh i i adored him and then then there were people like matthew mcconaughey condoleezza rice condoleezza rice was just you know growing up in segregation and and being a competitive ice skater, a concert pianist, secretary of state. Yeah, right. You know, just a, the most it. amazing person. Yeah, incredible. But, uh, you know, I interviewed four presidents and uh, had the opportunity to spend time with people I never thought that, that I, would, I would get to be around. So you said Larry David, that's who he is. Is that really Matthew McConaughey, too? Is that who yes. he is? Is that yeah. how he presents himself behind the scenes? Yeah, he, Matthew is watching a movie that only Matthew can see at times. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but he, he was my my mom was with, with me at the time, and uh, he was he looked after my mom like you wouldn't believe. Just the kindest, uh, kindest person, um, really thoughtful and and, and considerate. Um, and uh, again, you're wonderful to be around. You know, he just did some sort of live stream I, performance. I saw it. Yeah. Did you watch all of it? No, I didn't watch all of it. I mean, I. It was five hours. Uh, five and a half hours. He yeah. jumped on there for five hours. I, like, I don't know what type of hypnotizing tricks he was pulling on that yeah. live stream. But what? Like, okay, I think I could listen to Matthew for five hours. But I yeah. don't know what you talk about for I, five hours there, if you're Matthew. There may have been peyote involved or something. You know, I mean, bongo uh, drums. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. How, how many times you say, "All right, all right, all right." All right, all right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, the one that I always enjoyed was uh, your your stuff with Daly was great, right? With John, with, with trying to repaint that horrible mural that he had on his wall. That one still right. stands out in my brain. Yeah. yeah, from his ex-wife. Yeah, those. Don't were, you think yeah. this tour could? Not that it needs any help, but you can you imagine John Daly on this tour? Yeah, yeah, I could. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, any tour would benefit from having John on it. He was. Uh, 
you, you know, again, just a generous, you know, kind, misunderstood person, I think, in a, in a lot of ways. You know, he, he, throughout his career, I saw him in Africa um, rescue, uh, save his caddy's life, actually, because he, what he'd done was we were playing in a place called Port Elizabeth down on the east coast of South Africa, and um, he had paid his caddy in cash, a lot of cash, you know, generous guy and all the rest, and, and, and his caddy was heading for the railway station down the 18th fairway, and uh, followed by a swarm of other caddies. <laughs> you know, they were about 200 yards behind him. We were sitting on the veranda of the clubhouse. I said, John, I said, did you pay, you know, his caddy's name was Jumbo. I said, did you pay Jumbo cash? He said, yeah. I said, how much did you give him? He said, well, like five grand. I said, well, you better get out there and rescue him. <laughs> He's about to get mugged. <laughs> yes. John, John got in his courtesy car and drove well, over the flag stick on the 18th green and got down there and got him. I don't know if you remember this. When he was at, uh, well, what was it the PGA or what was it where he came and he didn't practice at Southern Hills. He practiced at the Cherokee Hills instead. Yeah, he practiced at Hard Rock when he did the, the show. He was staying yeah. at the Hard Rock. So <laughs> didn't didn't hit a ball at Southern Hills until no. he comes up to the first tee. And on the back of his golf bag, he's got uh, like a masking tape, Cherokee Hills. Like, <sighs> that, like all of a sudden he got a new endorsement. Apparently he had, re- he had run up a couple of uh, – lost a couple of – hands at blackjack right yeah and this was how he was going to pay off his blackjack debts i could see that uh, i could see that happening (laughs) yeah yeah him him on the driving range with no shoes on and cut off jeans that early day i'll never forget he did the interview we followed him all the way to his car and he put the clubs in his trunk and he just sat down in his trunk and we still interviewed him for another 20 minutes Mm -hmm. it was yeah it was just I, to me, he would be the perfect person yeah. for this tour. He's a good soul. It's David, gone. this has been awesome, man. We got the wrap a few moments ago. We could talk to you for, like, hours. But, sure. man, I always appreciate uh, having the opportunity to sit down with you and uh, chat. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, seeing the product that's on display here at Cedar Ridge this week. It's a pleasure. Thank uh, you so much. Nice to be with you. That's David Faraday joining us here on the Blitz 1170. It's 2.05. We'll take a timeout. All of our coverage, by the way, brought to you by... Triad I Institute and Chris Nickel Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram here on the Blitz 1170. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.